Man, I stopped paying attention to this game. Holy shit. Fucking, when did the Bruins score two more goals? I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps, a book club podcast. If you now... De- I forgot the name of the book. The Descendants of the Crane. Finale. Finale de Descendants of the... I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you almost it was, uh, had it. it was, um, dude, I, I liked it. I loved the book because it was really like... I don't know. If, <laughs> I was going to be weird. can be uh, interested the whole time. I thought, honestly, like... There, there were some points just because it was literally like reading and if I'm laying down or anything, like I'll doze off. But... Uh, and this is the first book. book that you've read in a long time, right? Good point. Since since we did, oh, Aragon, just never. Or, but like, oh yeah, you read that, that one too. Never mind. Yeah, I mean, before, before that, that was what Neverwhere, and that yeah. was only like the last section of it because you know I wasn't listening to it because I was flying in a plane. I think. Oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't like you know sat down and, and read. So figuring out the time allotment to to sit down and read has been a bit of a challenge. I've been you know behind every week, you know, just kind of coming here and reading a little bit, you know, finishing it up. But uh, right. Doing that has been, you know, learn a, a bit of a learning curve, and it's been it's been cool reading. I, I haven't uh, I, for some reason I thought I was going to be like I know this sounds silly, but like bad at it. Like I just thought I'd be like <laughs> really slow, just like and just yeah, like, I got gotcha. you. I'd misread words or whatever, just because like I'm used to hearing them, not necessarily seeing them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it's a totally just, different activity. Yeah, and and then also like I'm a little ADD, so I figured like you know it, it not only would I be slow, but I'd get distracted or I wouldn't be able to focus on the one thing and. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's been cool, you know. You just kind of, you really do have to like. You can't worry about anything but like what you're doing. So it's 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 quite a bit more like removed from everything else, which is it, it's yeah. a good practice in its own. And I think I'm probably mm-hmm. gonna do it with the next book too. But I just got to get better about you know my own time scale and figuring out so that right, we're good. yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's like um, things that we've talked about on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to uh, appreciate the you know, the focus of something that you're doing or it, 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 the way or, you know, what I take out of it is the, the peacefulness of it being the only thing that you're doing. Right. For the same reason that I enjoy hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. And usually, unless I'm pressed for time, I really enjoy cleaning. Yeah. Uh, because you're just doing the one thing. Maybe you're listening to music or a podcast or something like that in the background. But you've just got the one thing going on mm-hmm. and that's it. Cleaning a little bit less so, uh, but definitely like hunting and fishing. I'm never listening to anything while I'm doing that. Uh, certainly not while I'm hunting because, you know, you can't make noise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoy it just being still and quiet, you know, for once. Yeah. Because <laughs> so often it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly in the city, even, you know, at 3 a.m. here on the street, people are hauling ass down the road. You know, I live on a corner lot and one of the streets is the main thoroughfare of my neighborhood. <laughs> and this is a major city where people are up potentially at all hours of the night doing different jobs mm-hmm. or going out or whatever. So people are constantly driving through and they haul ass down this road. Yeah. So it's just never, it's almost never quiet. Yeah. No, I could, I could see it being peaceful. I think that's what I recently realized that I liked so much about anime. What it made, what made it so like immersive for me was just that you can't really do much else other than watch it yeah if you're watching the japanese yeah if you're watching the subs you've got to be paying attention if you're going to catch it exactly yeah there's very few shows where i've been able to just mindlessly watch it and be able to do something else Mm -hmm. and it's usually a show that's got bad enough writing that i predicted what they were going to say or um is a show that i've already seen yeah like Like whenever i was going through naruto again Mm -hmm. i was just like okay well i can have these filler episodes on in the background and when something really cool is about to happen i know it's going to happen so i'll stop and watch the fight or whatever Mm -hmm. you know 
but I could get away with doing other things. But yes, yeah, exactly like you were saying. That's another good example because it, it forces you to just really pay attention to the one thing and, you know, really take it in as much as you can. I think it's also kind of, I mean, it's, I mean, like we were just saying, it's a different discipline altogether for like in the reading family, I guess, of the reading discipline, you know, it's a different section of it because it's, I don't know, I felt, I felt like it was a little bit more um, exhaustive. I don't know. It was, I don't want to say it was harder than listening to it because listening to it, I still thought about it just as much, I'd Mm -hmm. say, but uh, maybe, maybe it is for some reason just feels maybe a little bit. I think the the, involved, the nature know. of reading is more involved yeah, than so. the nature of listening. No, it's a good point. Yeah, it's um, it's substantially less passive. Yeah, yeah, very true. It's a and so like just doing it with this book, it's made me want to start like reading other books again and just like on the side too. So I've, I've been reading a little bit just of other things, not like anything mm-hmm. serious or long or you know I opened up this honeybee book and just like flipped to bee pollens because I wanted to know what that what it was so mm-hmm. I looked it up and just little things like that and I started reading this book about white-tailed deer and uh, that was interesting and it was like a textbook though so it was interesting <laughs> for a little while right and uh but yeah I mean it, it was it's cool so it's been getting me back into even though this podcast has been getting me back into reading in general uh just doing a little bit more in, in involved reading I guess it got mm-hmm. me even further in so that was cool it's one thing I think I, I really learned, like, along with this book. That's probably, that could be why I like it so much. It just got me back into, like, yeah. the immersiveness of reading. Mm-hmm. It was a fun story, too. It, it wasn't, there were, there were quite a few things that I didn't really see coming, I guess. Um, and it what didn't feel like she was writing in a way that was, like, trying to be uh, too far-fetched, you know? It's not like she was trying to do the crazy ending, you know? It, it was some stuff yeah. that we kind of talked about, like, uh, like, um cyan kind of being uh potentially the you know like we we, we've spitballed with him being the assassin yeah the the one that poisoned her dad mm -hmm. um i never thought of him being (laughs) sooth but yeah uh, that was yeah that sort of that that did surprise me that was the one thing that i was like huh that was a little interesting but like everything else we kind of you know we predicted a little it makes sense and fits Mm -hmm, it does yeah and the thing is that like generally speaking i don't like epilogues like that where it ends up just being a giant info dump (laughs) and a reveal on a character that we didn't know yeah as much about as they had part in the story because turns out he's got a huge part in the story Mm -hmm. um or much larger than we knew and it, and it makes you sympathize with him a little bit, too. It kind of gives you, like, his woes and, like, you know, he's not just, yeah. like... It definitely... It reaffirms everything that we wanted to believe about him and that we believed we believed about him. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, or at least it, the way that I always saw him was that, you know, we didn't know everything about him, obviously. He was very stoic. Mm-hmm. And he was more of, like, you know, the, a bookworm or some somebody of that kind of personality. He didn't say a whole lot, but was yeah. really smart. But I felt like it was evident that he was loyal to Hesina and loved his family in his mm-hmm. way or whatever. It, it felt like it, yeah. And then the, you know, the fake betrayal happens. We don't know it's fake until the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Um, the betrayal happens and I'm like, even then I was still like, okay, but it's it can't actually be a betrayal because that would be such a left turn for this character. Mm-hmm. It felt weird. Um and then whenever the epilogue began and it was from the point of view of Cayenne, I was 
like, okay, well, this is where we get the justification for the betrayal and why he actually is a bad guy. Like, we'll learn something important here that mm-hmm. makes it make sense. Um, because even not even worrying about like if it made sense or not, I didn't want it to be true. Yeah. Because I had already decided that he was like a good guy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you already knew him, and so it'd be weird to. It seemed it seemed evident to me that he was really good. Um. And, you know, I, I could have been projecting some of that on him throughout the story, but it just seemed... It, I didn't have any real reason to doubt him until the, you know, left-field betrayal. Yeah. But yeah, there were, definitely were a few things that I didn't expect either. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying that, you know, there was some stuff that did kind of take you by surprise. There was stuff that took me by surprise, too. And I don't know if it was just because I was, like, so bought into the story and I was just, like, you know, nose in the book, just, like, you mm-hmm. know, not paying attention or really thinking about too much or... We called a lot of the book, too, because, like, when we found out that, you know, the mom is two, you know, like, yeah. that was like, ah, nice, we'll nail it, because they even felt like they tried to lead us away from that for a second, just for a, for a second, and then it was like, no, here she is, she's two, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. and, um, and then it talked a little bit about, like, how they, how they were both, like, impenetrable, like, not just immortal, mm-hmm. like, and... Yeah, they, well, so, yeah, they explain how their immortality works, which is... I think probably the most believable way for it to exist in this universe, Mm -hmm. because if it was like an elixir, I would have been Mm -hmm. like, no one cares about that. The real magic is reeling, not alchemy. Mm -hmm. And, um, which I guess, you know, might as well clarify the, the way that it works in this universe. Uh, her mother says is they found the most powerful sooth in the realm. And she saw, uh, or the sooth he or she would, I don't think it said, you know, what gender it was and mm-hmm. saw a future in which they lived on forever as legends. And so she reeled that mentality of the people into their flesh, mm-hmm. which made them inherently immortal legends. IRL. IRL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And after a while too, they, they got kind of sick of it and they were trying to kill themselves. And that's why like she has the cut yeah. of her whole head off or whatever. Cause like they try yeah. to decapitate her. They, they get sick of what happens to the people because inadvertently making them immortal also made their ideals immortal. Mm-hmm. And that's what manifests the, the, the original tenets, copy yeah. of the tenants, which is why it heals itself. Yeah. Whenever they cool. were like tearing stuff out. That was cool. And so like it becomes like, the literal definition of a living legend and and so it forces the people to worship it by nature of its like extreme magic she did a good job with her magic i thought man because like that tied it all together for the universe it made it kind of gave it yeah it answered several questions that we had all Mm -hmm. at once it worked really well and i was really appreciated and it it. was unique you know it it made it feel like it was not necessarily a unique form of magic and then it was like no wait here's why it's unique and it's like oh, right like at their wow. at, like at its base the suits are just mm-hmm. time mages like yeah, we, yeah, we've we seen that yeah, before yeah. but the the literal mechanics of it are something i've not seen mm-hmm. before yeah the reeling in the mm-hmm. the manifestation of their like future person. right like yeah. yeah like kind of dorian graying them like pulling their like immortality from just like the story but that, that mm-hmm. was just neat um and dude, like right at the end, it felt like she left it open. I think we were talking about this before the show, but it felt like she left it open for several different avenues. Like yeah. it could be another book that carries on either with one character or with three of them. You know, it could be all yeah. about uh, Sanjing and Hesina and um, 
Yeah, we might have you know split up chapters of mm-hmm. them concurrently yeah. and stuff like that. You that, know, we, that would make more sense. I think, like but... we jump to Roar in and mm-hmm. stuff exactly. like that. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and, and that was also like what we said last week. The biggest question is: there going to be more? Yeah, because that you know determines obviously the structure of the story. Yeah, and I still... and she didn't go with the safe ending of this can be self contained. And I have things I can pull from if it's successful enough for me to write another one. This is clearly intended to lead into another story. Yeah. And it would be disappointing if it didn't have another one because I know she wants... It feels like she wants to keep writing in the universe, mm-hmm. you know, because she leaves it open open for Hesina to go on and, and become the, the like the woman she'd always wanted to be. And then and then it told us the whole backstory with um, Cyan taking on the, the hard part of being the ruler that, like that people need but that like he had to be the hard ruler that brought about change and he's, right. he's a sooth too so that's like yeah he's a sooth so he can see all the he, yeah he can see like the potential futures and oh and that was and one then of the reasons yeah that, also with him like or i guess there's not really they don't really say if there are more if it's like a dr strange thing where he can see all the possibilities mm. or if they, he can just see the trajectory right now yeah um i guess that doesn't get ever addressed at all and now the more that i think about it it doesn't i think they just probably see the one path that That's the timeline is currently like. on yeah because he took his best guess and then it kind of strayed a little bit based yeah because he could never see 100 percent of what happened yeah he does say for every hundred things that he gets right he gets one wrong or, so, or every 10 things i can't remember the number he uses i want to say it was something crazy like 100 yeah <laughs> it's like, dude, wow that's pretty good that's yeah because he doesn't see lillian dying mm-hmm. um he doesn't see the explosion in the prison um, yeah, dude, that Lillian, wasn't in his plan. Yeah, Lillian dying too. That was probably for me when I was like, "Man, how is that this startled not me for half a second too?" I was and like, it yeah, "Yeah, when that happened, that startled me for a second too." I was like, what? "One, it didn't make any sense," mm-hmm. and it it startled me for the same amount of time it would have startled me if it was happening in a movie. I would have yeah. been like, "Oh my god!" And then I would have immediately been in denial, like, "No, that doesn't make any sense. That can't be true. We're gonna find out, you know, yeah, what actually happened or she whatever." Was like proclaiming herself the murderer. the assassin, yeah, yeah. The assassin. She just made herself everybody. a scapegoat, yeah, exactly. Uh, so that because then she would get killed, kind of stabs her in the back, and her blood doesn't burn. So then everybody would be like, "It wasn't even a sooth that killed him, anyways." Oh my god, you know, and it mm-hmm. restores peace to the kingdom or provides. Now the opportunity for peace to be restored, and no one would imagine that Cyan uh, would be with a, a sooth either, because his twin doesn't burn when she bleeds or whatever. So it would you'd think like, oh, well, he's probably good yeah. Then. It <laughs> definitely though. gives him another layer of security uh-huh. on top of him just being you know excessively careful all the time. Nobody's gonna cut him. Um, Nobody makes me bleed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's I knew he was a sooth like a paragraph into the epilogue. Oh, really? Because he bites his lip on accident. and Or, you know, he doesn't bite his lip. He, like, <laughs> he like opens his mouth too wide when he talks, and his lips are all cracked in chapter or whatever. Mm. And they crack oh, and bleed. And he smiles. And he thinks, oh, that was careless, and, like, sucks in the blood really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's a fucking suit. <laughs> mm. That's the only reason it matters that he didn't want to show his blood. Yeah, I, I was wondering And then, like, two happened. paragraphs after yeah. that, it, it tells us that he's a suit. So it wasn't even like I was predicting it for a really long time. Literally yeah, two so paragraphs. <laughs> but at that moment, I was like, oh. <laughs> like, suddenly, a lot of things made sense to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did kind of like her epilogue. It, it felt very kind of watchman you know, like, you know, the... His epilogue? Uh, oh, the, the writer's yeah, epilogue. Sorry, I got right. you. Okay, you're right. No, Joanne, his epilogue, but the it was his epilogue. It was mm-hmm. Kyan's epilogue. But right, right. Um, I thought it was cool. It 
it reaffirmed, you know, like you just said, our beliefs of what he was as a character to begin mm-hmm. with, and then uh, oh uh, no, continue. But I remembered what I was going to say earlier. Well, yeah, it just it just reaffirmed like our beliefs of him as the character to begin with, and then and then I thought it put like a nice little button on the story if it needed to be self-contained, but it did leave. But the way that she ended Hessina's storyline made it seem like there was obviously going to be another book. Yeah. It just felt like with the epilogue, it kind of put a little button on it just in case. You know what I mean? Like it might not have right. because that blog is obviously extra, you know, it's mm-hmm. so after the story, you know, yeah. not but even in his plans, he, antis- he, uh, you know, after them being diverted, he then continues on to continue planning things because he's really right. super smart. Yeah. He, even in those plans, he knows that Hessian is going to leave. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to, and that sort of fits into his plans anyways, because he was going to have her abdicate her position at one point yeah. and then do all the hard work and then reinstate her. Yeah. And now that she's been effectively exiled and she's uh, also effectively self-exiling herself, mm-hmm. that fits into her being out of the picture so that he can do all the hard work for the kingdom to, yeah. you know, kill the people that need to be killed. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's going to take it upon himself to do all this. Yeah, too. he's going to he, he his goal is to take on all of the heavy bad stuff because the whole thing is that he wants to protect Hesina and he (laughs) wants to he says you know the ultimate cheesy line in his head uh, during the epilogue where he wants to protect her smile which was like one of the first things that he saw whenever he came back from the brink of death after her father adopted Mm -hmm. them from the streets or whatever which was also a prophecy of a suit that had been told to him right yeah Um, (laughs) so sorry what were you saying sorry um, oh yes but the in general, I don't like epilogues like this. Yeah. Be- and I, I did say, I guess, at least half of this idea um, that, you know, they just become info dumps of mm-hmm. something like that and blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, I, 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 and it, I assume is an extremely difficult thing to do the thing that I would prefer it to be, but I would prefer all these things to be seated and a little bit more visible throughout the story it seems rather like than thought. completely invisible. Mm-hmm. And here's the answer because because it's an epilogue it gets to be structurally different from the story and so therefore doesn't even have to follow the same character because mm-hmm. the whole story we're in has in his head yeah um so it would be weird to suddenly jump into kyan's head unless it's in an epilogue mm-hmm. but and so generally i think epilogues like this are a uh, a lack of being able to seed those things properly. Definitely. I could see that. But that's got to be extremely difficult to do. Oh, definitely. So yeah. even though I don't generally like epilogues like this, I never blame the writer for doing so because I can't imagine how to even start, you know, seeding little things like that cleverly without giving it away. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can barely even think of like a whole storyline. It's easy to pick apart somebody else's that they've worked on, you know, and then try to like make some guesses and be like, okay, mm-hmm. I was right about this and this, you know, but yeah, I missed this. And it's easy to make our predictions and stuff, but it's... It, It'd be so hard to feel if it, to write all the intricacies. Like I could never do it. Well, dude, honestly, as I was reading and you were predicting some of the things, I was like, man, Will got all these guesses right. Like of what the story was, I bet he could write a book. I was literally thinking that <laughs> as I was reading the book, um, like, man, Will could write. <laughs> I wish I had said that I thought maybe the king killed himself because I had thought it. Mm-hmm. I just brushed that away a little more quickly than the idea that I thought maybe her mom did it, and so I was like, I'm going to use that prediction on the yeah. podcast. And I mean that was that was the thing he just he was tired of it right like he just how did he, they, he kill himself the, with that like he, gas release jade yeah the her, his jade oh. medallion was could release the poison like he could like poke a hole in it or what the fuck ever I don't know but the that was he knew that that would set off 
Hessina's investigation, mm-hmm. you know, who killed my father, which would lead her to the truth about the inherent evil that's in the kingdom, which is the inherent lack of will of the people because they're bound to the tenants magically. Yeah. Which is way more than we thought. We thought they just oh, revered yeah, they just them because them. the tenants were like literally their salvation from the relic emperors. But no, they're evidently like magically bound to it. Yeah. Um, and so then she can find a way to destroy the tenants. That's why she had to go back and steal it from mm-hmm. Shah Jahan because she's like, I need to find a way to destroy this to save the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she was going to be the hope of the people who he loved so dearly and loved like truth and all mm-hmm. that, you know, his ideals. Yeah, Two, her mom becomes disenchanted with everything because she realizes what they've done, that they can't fix yeah. it. They can't even kill themselves to fix it. And so then she just becomes like the, the ultimate definition of jaded. Yeah. That was the main thing too, is like they couldn't figure out how to kill themselves. So did he just put himself in like a permanent coma or is he actually dead? He's, yeah. And that's potentially something that we explore in the next novels. Yeah. Cause it seemed um, like he was still breathing. Cause maybe he's right? something. Like, yeah. Like he was breathing. Um, it just seemed like a there super was coma. like more or less blood flow in his body. Just, I, I think they mentioned like he's got color. You know, yeah, and I don't think he's not like just like paste. Yeah. yeah, so he's like his body is alive, but he's still dead. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't spend a ton of time examining no, it. They were okay, literally grave like, robbing. So. That's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, as long as that's that, like that'll come back too, at some yeah. point. That's, that's got to come thinking. back sometime. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the process of saving the kingdom, or maybe even if just Hesino destroys the book. And that also ends her mother's immortality. Mm-hmm. Then we're left to just surmise that her father's immortality is also done, and he can now continue to be a proper corpse in his grave. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, and hopefully it doesn't take too long for the. This this is her second published novel, her first American published novel. Oh, okay. She had okay. another novel that was published by a different um, company in Europe. I had read. Um, so. You know, hopefully if this novel is successful enough that affords her the resources to then really start cracking at her next one. Because yeah, I assume be, she has a day job. Um, yeah, I would think so too. I, I, I don't know. We, we follow her on Twitter now and uh, I've been seeing a little bit, but it's just silly little tweets about like Game of Thrones or like a book that she finished reading or like guess who hasn't right. taken the time like a regular to person's tweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just silly. You know, it's silly, fun little stuff. That, like, right. It's like, oh, she's... She's cool. You know, right. She's, she's just a, a person. person. <laughs> yeah. Just like us. Just like us. Right. And, uh, but yeah, hopefully if she's not already working on it, then I mean, she might be taking a break because it literally did just, you know, release. Yeah. So even if she had finished writing and editing it six months, eight months ago, she's been going through the publishing process mm-hmm. and I bet that's a nightmare to some degree. I bet too, man. So and, I, I probably would want to break from it for, you know, a little bit as well. <laughs> I wonder how much, I wonder how much your novels like will, change like as as time goes on like if if she had started writing this novel like say she's writing the second one Mm -hmm. say she had started writing it immediately after she had written the first one but then like the first one didn't get critical acclaim until a couple years down the road then she got the resources to start maybe not start but like finish the second one or publish the second one or Mm -hmm. it got the acclaim so that everyone wanted the second one It'd be interesting to see, because like Aragon, he wrote so much, or sorry, this this inheritance saga thing that we read later, mm-hmm. he wrote, it seems like, years later. And uh, yeah. it'd be interesting to see him writing that book maybe right after he finished Inheritance, and uh, if it would have been any different or right. not. You know, I think she says in the, at the very beginning of the uh, acknowledgments section, mm-hmm. is just a 
before she starts literally acknowledging different people uh, and thanking different people for different things, uh, she says that she started writing this story when she was younger than Hesina is. Yeah, yeah, I actually read that at the end. The acknowledge- yeah, you were saying that. Sorry. And Hesina's 18, 19? Mm-hmm. I just came of age, something like that, like 17 or 18, um, I think. Yeah, so, and I don't remember, whenever I read, like, the short, like, spiel about uh, Joan on Wikipedia or wherever, or whenever I first found, like, the book and was like, this, you know, mm-hmm. this is a story about blah, 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 from this author, blah, blah, blah. But she's, I think she's... 25? I was going to say, she's younger than us, right? Like she's, yeah, just a little bit younger than us. That's cool. So she's been working on this story for seven years? Eight years? That's cool, man. From beginning to publishing. Uh, oh, that's yeah. obviously super hard, obviously, to write a book and have all I the I wonder if a lot of first books happen that way, though. Probably. Creating a universe, getting Certainly for young writers or mm-hmm. younger writers or stories that that do get released that were stories that were like a first written story because you don't have all the time in the world to do it when you're in college yeah. or when you've got like your first few day jobs and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, Stephen King, his book on writing that was called on writing, it was, a, uh, it was, um, he literally wrote that like you should finish a project in like two months. <laughs> or at least have a good idea of your mm-hmm. project and what you want it to be. You know, like in, more or less the full outline. Yeah, I, mean, I could see that. If you're working eight to five, if you you've know, got uh, yeah, you if, if that's your full week, time job, I is think writing. that's kind of what he was saying. That like, makes you know, sense. When it's your yeah. full time gig, you should have your thing done and at least written and outlined and ready for re- editing and stuff like in two months. Otherwise, you're not certainly he, if you want his like, level of success. Exactly. Yeah. He was kind of saying like, if you're not doing that, you're not you're not like. You could be doing a lot. Is <laughs> he saying you could, you know, you could be putting more effort in or, or whatever, you know, and, right. mm-hmm. and that you're not really like dedicated. Not that you're not dedicated. That's the wrong words to say because it makes it sound like you're you're giving it half-assed effort. But right. he's saying like, if ready for really, that level of the grind, exactly, maybe. I think that's probably what he's like if you to look say. at it as the grind, mm-hmm. then yeah, I I could see that point of view and believe it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously one of the most prolific writers just having so many different books out there that have all i mean partially his name and then also just like the mystique of his writing you know we read mm-hmm. one of his books and we saw how he kind of loops things around in circles and uh i don't remember where i was going with that but it was just mm-hmm. you know i mean he, he he cranks them out and just i think they're but know, according to him good, he's yeah. working you know a minimum 40 hours a week he's yeah it's so. a full-time it's not like he's just it's not like he's writing a paper, you know, and he spends a couple hours a couple every now and then. Right, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, cranks out his novel. It's, it's yeah, it's a full-time gig. It, you know, it feels like writing could be easier, whatever, as you're reading along and you read a bunch of books, you think, like, oh, I could do it. And then it's like, man, it just sounds so hard, too. Like, it, same thing with mm-hmm. comedy. I feel like, you know, I watch a bunch of stand-up and I listen to it and I feel like, oh, I could do it. But there's no way, man. Like, I think about, like, going on stage and I get so much anxiety and I could never go stand-up. I could never take all the rejection that they take, too. It's right. Just, it's just like, man, it's it's a whole other beast. And just the fact that she she made it through the grind and got one of her books out. Even if, even if she didn't necessarily have to do a grind for seven or eight books and then, you know, it took this... It took them that long before they published one of them. Yeah, obviously she did the grind. You know, it took her eight years, and she did get her book published. She made it through. So that's it. Was just cool. It's cool to see, and and she's like a young author too. So that's like, 
It's weird, potentially it's has thinking. a long future of writing. Exactly, yeah. And it's kind of weird thinking that you know their, their author's younger than us coming out with books and stuff. Like, oh my god, yeah, that's up, the yeah. first time that I realized I was old was when about a year and a half ago I realized that the people producing my entertainment were younger than me. That's funny, dude. I mean, because it's not like kids are stupid. I mean, when we were yeah, six, right. when we were sixteen, we had ideas and yeah. we thought we were funny or smart or you know whatever. And we, I mean, exactly to varying degrees, we were. Yeah, and um, I mean, kids, some some kids are fucking so smart too, coming out with like the ideas that they're coming right. out with. Like this one kid dedicated his life to the problem of his life. He was fucking fourteen when he decided to dedicate his life to it, and now he's eighteen and he's making the new the new like wastewater like uh, it's it's a way that they can pull a bunch of trash out of the ocean through using its natural currents, you know, just kids are smart. And it's just like, to think that like, it's just, it's kind of humbling for me to see, you're right, like people producing our entertainment are now younger than us. And it's like, it's kind of humbling to me to like, all right, you know, right. look at kids these days, they're also smart, I'm proud of them. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything to help, but right. <laughs> just like, look at them, they're right. great. It's it is like, an interesting uh, sort of, you know, perspective shift to... Because I'm still not at the threshold where I don't immediately assume that someone older than me has more answers than I do. And when in fact, I so with younger that like they obviously that they have have less answers. answers. Yeah, and and exactly, I'm there with you. Because I'm still still like 17 in my mind, and I think that people that are younger than me are literally undeveloped children, (laughs) (laughs) and people that are older than me are people that have graduated high school and college and have have had jobs and life experience mm-hmm. which is still true but i am now also in that category right, yeah. <laughs> and i haven't moved myself to that category it, it but then you know five minutes into a conversation with the a quote-unquote adult i realized that they are substantially stupider than me in some cases <laughs> <Sometimes>, so <laughs> yeah. um and and then i'm watching sugar pine seven this channel on youtube and those kids are like 23 that's awesome. And they're so fucking smart and so I, fucking funny. And they're writing cool. these narratives that I just can't, I could never, I, I didn't see coming sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's incredible to realize that you're an old piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I liked it. Just, it was, it was cool for me. It, 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 it is weird thinking like putting yourself out of that, like, that thing, like, have, like accepting all ages of creativity. Like, I, I feel like I would, Take sense, just like how we're reading George R. R. Martin, or sorry, we're watching Game of Thrones from an old man, George R. R. Martin, who mm-hmm. has years and years of reading experience and history and all this stuff. Right, yeah, like and a then, true master of his craft, exactly through and, experience. And and then we're also reading Joan Joan Hughes' debut, you know, like and mm-hmm. and, and we're appreciating both of them to hold different degrees. It's really yeah. just, it's cool. It's in. I, I, I like it. I like that we're able to. We're not like stuck up thinking like only the like, old oldies are goodies, you know. And, and we're, right. we're able to, you know, because I'd read it. I'd read a book by a fourteen year old if it came out, and it was like even you know they're underdeveloped in some ways. Like obviously Aragon when he was sixteen, he wrote that, and it was underdeveloped in romance ways. I felt like you know, in, in some of the developmental characters and relationships with the girl, you know, it felt like okay, maybe he hasn't had a relationship with many women or a woman and yet or you know right. so maybe he doesn't know this it, it just felt a little awkward sometimes you know and uh so you know that might be more developed in other ways i don't really know where i was going with that but it's just it's interesting i would read i like to think that we're super open-minded and i feel like this is kind of proof in the you know putting you know it's a, you know we're reading and we're trying to expose ourselves to everything even mm-hmm. new young 
stories and ideas and stuff. Right. And like, and like we were saying, this one was pretty unique. It had uh, magic in ways we never thought and characters doing things that we thought we saw coming and, you know, they filled their, their stories up and I liked it. Then honestly, because of this book, we, we followed Joan on Twitter and then she, she said that she just finished a book and that was the book that I was going to bring to the table this week for, uh, for our, Oh um, yeah. I remember you mentioning that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know if you want to do that now, but I I feel like. Yeah, we should probably, yeah, let's look at that. Uh, so for our next book, we'll uh, go with Jordan's suggestion of Joan's suggestion of <laughs> Scythe, uh, of the, um, let me pull it back up here right quick. Actually, I don't know why I closed it. I'm so stupid for doing so. Oh, I can just look at it here. Huh. Yeah, from what we were able to gather, it looks like it was a, like a kind of modern sci-fi kind of sort of novel. Um based in like a futuristic world where like, you know, common death by disease is, is not common anymore, you know? And uh, uh, the only way people died, I think, is by decision. So the scythe was kind of putting them to the decision of like, do you live or die? And then they have like the scythe squad that comes through. And <laughs> the scythe squad. And, uh, and make sure. That's the squad I want to be on. Yeah. I'm trying to look up the fucking author's name. Kindle wouldn't give it to me super quick. Something Schusterman. It's going to be Scythe Part 1 of the Ark of a Scythe series, yeah. I guess, um, by Neil Schusterman. What we're going to read for this week is going to be Parts 1 and 2. So stop when you get to Part 3. It's about 175 pages, uh, give or take whatever edition is that you buy. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, think that we're going to cut this into three episodes in total. We're going to read. Uh, we're going to read. We're going to read part one and two. Then we're going to read part three, and then we're going to read parts four and five. Uh, that's the most even way to break it up. Uh, it seems like from just looking at the table of contents. Yeah, looks good. So, read parts one and two. Watch Game of Thrones. Watch the NHL and NBA playoffs, and we'll see y'all next week. Yeah. I'm Will Hedrick. I'm Jordan Schaffer. This is Dog Years and Timestamps. Congratulations to the Bruins for making it to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2013. And go Rockets. Hopefully they don't get destroyed in fucking Golden State. <laughs>
Furious Hours, Murder Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee. Juliet the Maniac. Oh, fuck you. I'm not going to subscribe to your website. Get out of here. Dude. Mark Jacobs Illustrated. Guess what? I definitely don't want to fucking read. <laughs> 